month of May, we have been preaching about an extreme home makeover. As you can see by our motif on the platform here, this saw is not... We didn't accidentally just leave that here and forget to put it up. And the saw horse and the wall. Somebody comes in and says, it's not finished yet. It's not supposed to be. It's uh, representing a job in, in process. And you can see pictures of some lovely families here. And uh, we're doing an extreme home makeover for families. Uh, because I believe, I believe strongly that uh, God intends for Christian families with spirit-filled mothers and fathers and spirit-filled kids are supposed to be tremendous examples to the world of what a family ought to be. However, uh, some things ha- begin to happen in our family that cause problems. And from time to time, we need an extreme home makeover for our families. And that's what we're doing this week in the uh, reality television series are only given a short period of time, and uh, just in a few short weeks, they're going to do a job that would take months and months to accomplish. We only have four weeks to do an extreme home makeover for the family. In the first week, we studied the importance of gutting your home and taking out things in your life that could harm your family and your children. And, uh, and then the second week, which was last week, we talked about framing values, framing values into your home and family. And this week, We're going to focus on one particular room in your home. And you may think, why would we take a whole service to focus on only one room in the house? The reason we want to take this Sunday and talk about the master bedroom, remodeling the master bedroom, is because this is one room in the house that if it's messed up, it affects the whole family. It affects the whole family. And so the master bedroom that uh, we're going to work on remodeling today is the place where the husband and the wife are together. So by, rem- by remodeling the master bedroom, what I mean is building a better and a more fulfilling marriage. And if you have a better and a more fulfilling marriage, in other words, if you get your master bedroom remodeled, then it will bless and benefit the entire family. Now, you may be here today, you say, well, I'm not married, or I used to be married, or I'm just a teenager, I'm not going to be married for a while. I promise you that if you'll listen for the next few moments uh, from uh, this teaching, you will receive some insight that will benefit you. If you have your bulletins, you can turn off, flip on to the backside if you want to jot down some notes during our series today. Because the sad reality is, in many homes, the master bedrooms are in great disrepair. Amen? In many homes, the decor and the furnishings are out of date and faded. There's lots of clutter and junk in the master bedroom. And the intriguing thing is there are many homes wherein the master bedroom has a cobbled wall built right down the middle of the master bedroom. There's a wall right in the middle of the master bedroom. So we're going to need to change three things as we do our extreme home makeover for families, specifically in the master bedroom today. First of all, we've got to tear down that wall in the middle of the master bedroom. Secondly, we need to clean up the clutter and take out the garbage. And thirdly, we're going to modernize and refresh the decor. We've got to keep it fresh and keep it up to date. Now, first of all, what does the master bedroom symbolize? You think, well, it's where the man and the woman are together. Well, it's not just where the man and the woman are together. And it's not just symbolizing marriage. But more clearly, 
When I refer to the master bedroom, I am referring to the idea of intimacy. The idea of intimacy. And when there is intimacy between a husband and a wife, it will be a blessed marriage, but also it will benefit and bless the children and the family within the marriage. So the master bedroom symbolizes very clearly the idea of intimacy. Now, what is intimacy? Somebody says, well, is he talking about the, uh, uh, is he going to get uh, R-rated here today? No, I'm not going to, but intimacy is what two people anticipated that they would enjoy with each other when they said, I do, when they made their vows of marriage. Intimacy comes from the Latin word intimus, which simply means inner. Everybody still with me? Intimus, which means inner. And uh, intimacy is two people opening their inner selves to each other. And it is connecting at the deepest possible level in every area of life. And when there is true intimacy in a marriage, it brings about a sense of love and trust. It's an openness and a deep relationship with one another. And that's what I, I promise you when you see a couple get married, they're usually not getting married just so they can make babies. There's usually a desire and an expectation that they would get to know each other and care for one another and trust one another on a very deep and an intimate level. That's what I mean by intimacy. To illustrate that in the Bible, the first couple in Scripture was Adam which was the Son of God, created by God, and Eve. And the story in Scripture says that while Adam was asleep, God made a decision. God had said it was not good for man to be alone. He said, I will make him and help meet. And so from the rib cage of Adam, God took a rib, and he created from that a woman. And uh, I have you know, heard that story many times and always knew that story, but I never really made the connection. Maybe you always have, but I never made the connection until I was studying yesterday and I realized there was something inside of Adam that was missing now. And she was going to complete him. She was going to make up the gap in that which was missing. And so I can just picture when Adam wakes up and he's got a sore on his side. He's like, ouch. And he wakes up and all of a sudden he sees someone that looks like him very similar, but very different. And there was something inside of him that responded deeply to something inside of her, and vice versa. They were made man and woman. They were similar, but at the same time, they were different. And this is the raw materials of human intimacy, is the fact that two people are similar, but that there are differences as well. And uh, there is something inside of a man and something inside of a woman that cries out for each other. And I'm not talking about just sexual desire. We know about that. But there's something in there, not, not just the base animal urges, but there is a desire for intimacy, a desire to know and to be known on a deeper level and to trust and care for and be there for one another and make one another happy. The desire for true intimacy is a part of who we are as human beings. It's the reason you got married in the first place. It was because you hoped for and expected and anticipated 
and believed that there could be intimacy. I look at uh, uh, the uh, um, periodicals that are put out that tell the stories of the rich and famous, the Hollywood stars and starlets that swap mates back and forth. And uh, everybody, many people look at that as such an idealistic lifestyle of all these beautiful and attractive individuals. But in reality, I look at them in pity because there is something so rich about intimacy. You didn't get married just to have a beautiful person by you. But you got married so that you could enjoy that deep and personal connection, which is referred to as uh, intimacy. Intimacy between a husband and a wife creates a healthy atmosphere for kids and makes them feel secure and gives them an opportunity to be balanced and well-adjusted. When intimacy is not there between husband and wife, some of these areas have to be uh, create, create problems. Now, it, if you've ever moved into a newly built home, maybe many of you have never had that privilege before. I remember as a uh, teenager, my parents built a brand new home, and we moved into it. And I remember when they built the home, they built this beautiful master bedroom. They carefully selected all the colors, the decor, and the furnishings. It was very intentional for them, and it was fun. They enjoyed it, picking out the uh, the master bedroom suite and uh, picking out the colors. And, and they did it with intention. When they did it with fun, and when they came in, it was up to date. It was fresh. It was beautiful. And when people start out with their master bedroom or start out in their relationship with the person who will be their spouse, there is that wonderful, refreshing, and exciting feeling of being in love. Probably all of us have experienced it, unless we're really young, uh, that sense and that feeling and that excitement and that energy of being in love. And as you fall in love with someone, I'm not talking about just being infatuated with the girl in science class that you stare at every day and, oh, I'm in love. But, but she doesn't even know your name. I'm talking about when you actually have a relationship with someone and you're falling in love with them and you can tell that they're falling in love with you and there's that deep sense of closeness. There is a, 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 an animal physical attraction, but also there's an emotional tra- attraction to each other. And somebody referred to it as the tingles of falling in love. And and uh, that's the whole purpose of dating. And, and somebody said, well, you need to date for a while. Why? We need to get to know each other. Right? That's why you date. It's to get to know one another at a, a more intimate, emotional level. And this is what intimacy is about. And we live in such a sex-crazed culture that they have essentially hollowed out love to where it's uh, uh, erotic or eros from the Greek language. And true love and true intimacy is missing in so many relationships because people don't understand how important it is. And that's what people get married for. To feel that sense of connectedness and that sense of trust and leaning on one another and and knowing one another in a deep and an intimate sense. And uh, when the love stage is fully developed, when you fall in love with somebody and there's that excitement, the excitement, the tingles and so forth, When the love stage is fully developed, you have a sense of belonging to one another, of being connected and actually belonging to one another, that you were meant to be, that you were meant for each other. You love and care for one another, and you want the other person's happiness. And you know that your happiness depends upon that other person being there. That's what intimacy is all about. And this sense of intimacy gives us the courage to make a lifelong Commitment. 
Hey, I, I made a commitment to buy a house the other day. I signed papers that said I was willing to make payments for 30 years. That's a long time. It's sobering. You don't just want to go in and sign your name on that like you sign your name on a test paper at school because it's a long commitment. You think a lifetime and there's no refinancing available? There's no re-romancing available? And uh, so when you consider... Guys, if you could help me here, we've got a little distraction. Thank you. Um, the uh, back and forth of uh, marriage. It's a lifetime commitment. And so the question is, whatever happened to the master bedroom? How did it get in disrepair? It started out just like we wanted it. We picked out the colors. We were intentional. It was fun. We enjoyed it. But many times after a few weeks, months, and years of marriage, we find that there are some problems. You walk into the master bedroom and it's, it's drab. It's out of date. The colors are tired. The decor is not fascinating. There's a lot of clutter. And most notably, right in the middle of this master bedroom, there is a rough cobbled wall that's built right down the middle of the room, a wall of separation. Many marriages today need a major overhaul or remodeling job. That's what we're here to do today. A major overhaul. Some just need a few few changes. Most all of us in our marriage could use help from time to time. Our marriages become emotionally tired and drab and boring. That's what I mean by out of style. It's not fresh. It's not new. Romance and intimacy and loving acts of last year, the loving acts from a decade ago just don't excite me anymore. It's pleasant memories, but it's drab and out of date today. The spark and the sizzle of the dating period was so long ago, it just doesn't even bring a smile anymore. It's out of date, and it's time for a refresher. So we're going to take care of first things first. The curious thing about the master bedroom is, what is this wall doing right down the middle? This brick-by-brick brick cobbled wall. What is the purpose? What's the meaning of this? The point is that many marriages are trying to function without intimacy. Roughly, it's two people living in the same home with offspring. It's not a real marriage anymore. This was never intended to be, and the couple that got married never intended it to be that way. It didn't start out like this. What happened? Let's go back to our original story of Adam and Eve. Remember in the garden? I'm losing some of your attention, so I'm going to say a word that will get your attention. Naked. <laughs> they were naked and unashamed. And uh, this is a graphic picture in Scripture of marital intimacy. Marital intimacy. Amen. Reminds me of that old song. The devil's in the phone booth, dialing 911. Amen. Adam and Eve. The uh, prototype of vanishing intimacy. They were naked and unashamed. This is a graphic picture of marital intimacy. There is deep 
physical and emotional relatedness. Not just the nakedness, but the nakedness is, represents a total transparency without any fear of being known, open, connected. This openness and acceptance and trust is what every married couple, couple hoped for when they made the decision to uh, get married. But the story goes, the progression goes, is that later they sewed fig leaves together and hid themselves from God and from each other because their disobedience created fear. And man and woman could no longer tolerate nakedness. And intimacy was marred and they were expelled from paradise and now paradise is only a memory. This is a graphic picture of the experience that happens sometimes in marriage. There's that image and expectation of marriage, that perfect intimacy of paradise, being open and loving and connected and feeling so together. But somewhere along the way, intimacy is replaced with isolation and intimacy is marred. How does this loss of intimacy happen in a marriage? This brings us to the point of the wall. Many describe it when they describe what happens when marriages grow apart. When they lose that sense of intimacy, they say, well, it's as if a wall grew in between us. And I've heard this before. We, we once were so close. We once were so open. We once were so intimate. But over the passage of time, it's like a wall has developed between us. This is what I'm talking about when I make reference to a wall in the middle of the master bedroom. This wall is built one brick at a time. Let me just tell you a little story from my own experience. Sister Brown gets nervous. I remember the first time that I disappointed my wife when we were first married. What happened was it was Sunday morning, our first Sunday morning together. You remember? Since we moved back together, uh, since we moved into our home together, our apartment that we were living in. And it was Sunday morning, and I was ready for church, and she wasn't ready for church. And I wanted to go, and so I just said, see you later, I'm going. And I got in the car and I drove to church and thought nothing of it, it's just totally normal. She can take her car, that's fine. But what I didn't realize is that I had hurt her. And this was a brick that I placed in the wall. Well, did your marriage fall apart? No, we were still in love. And, you know, a couple of days later, it was back to, no, back to normal. We got over it and everything was fine. But the deal is the brick was still there. The brick was still there. Now, uh, this is what happened. It's a disappointment. It's a, it's a hurt. It's an unpleasant experience. And a wall is built one brick at a time. And if the bricks aren't dealt with and removed, you say, well, we'll just get on with it. We'll just gloss over it and pretend like it never happened. No, when you pretend like it never happened, the brick stays there. And it's going to have another brick added to it. And a, another brick and another experience, another disappointment, brick by brick until there is a wall there. You never intended to build it, but it's there anyway. 
and intimacy is gone and the couple is separated by a wall of disappointments. This happens. This can happen somewhat quickly. So that's how the wall got there. By disappointments, by hurts, by insensitivity, by doing things that were hurtful. Not intentionally. You never intended to do it, but you hurt. And then next thing you know, there's a wall there. So we know how it got there, but the question is, we we only have a little bit of time to do a home makeover, so how do we get rid of this wall in the midst of the master bedroom? The point is, in order to regain intimacy in your marriage, you can't just forget about the fact that there's a wall there, and you can't just uh, climb over and go on the other side. You've got to tear down the wall to regain intimacy. And how is this done? This is done very carefully. Here's how you do it. One person has to decide to go to the other person in the marriage and say, you know what, I've been thinking about us in our relationship and I've realized that I'm a big part of the problem. I've been looking back over our marriage and I've been thinking about the various times that I disappointed you or I failed you. And while I was thinking about it, I realize that there's a whole bunch of them. And what I want to do is I want to remind you of these. See, this is counterintuitive because we like to just forget about them and ignore them. We like to just never bring them up again. But the problem is there's a brick still there. The only way you can tear tear the wall down is you've got to acknowledge that there's a brick there. Say, I hurt you. I want to remind you of that time I hurt you, and I want to let you know that I'm sorry I was insensitive. I want to admit my failure and ask you to forgive me. Don't focus on how they failed you. Focus first on your failures. Sometimes people want their spouse to tear down their part of the wall, and they're waiting until they tear down their part before I'll tear down my part. But somebody's got to be the bigger person. Somebody's got to take the initiative and say, it's better to give than to receive. The moment you are willing to admit your failures and ask forgiveness, the wall on your side begins to tumble down. If your spouse in turn decides to forgive you and then begins to admit his or her own failures, then the wall is torn down on both sides and intimacy can then return. The first thing you got to do in the master bedroom is tear down the wall. The only way you can do that See, you can't control your spouse. That's another person. But you can control you. And say, you know what I've been thinking about? We we do have problems and marriage is not as rich and sweet as it used to be. And I want it to be better. And you know what? I'm not... I I realize, I was thinking over, I realize I'm a big part of the problem. And I've done some things that have hurt you. I've done some things that have have wounded you. I've done some things I haven't been there when I should have. I've done these things and I want to remind you of them. And I want to ask you to forgive me. And as you do that, you're tearing down your side of the wall. And it's in a good likelihood that it will produce forgiveness in your spouse. And then your spouse will begin to bring up things. And then the next thing you know, the wall can be torn down. Many marriages are destroyed because intimacy is no longer there. They're trying to put on the facade. They're, they're living together. They're trying to go through the, do the family thing. But the wall is there and you can't have a good marriage with a wall between you. There must be intimacy. And when that wall is torn down, then you begin to feel that openness and that trust and those feelings of love coming back together. Now, just quickly I want to say that my little... Scenario here of 
dealing and forgiving and tearing down the wall is not a cure-all. Sometimes some people have to learn how to build intimacy. Some people have to get over issues from their upbringing that may hinder intimacy and learn how to communicate deeply by self-revelation, letting people know how they feel and what they're going through, that their spouse, and also receiving self-revelation from the spouse while seeking to understand what he or she is thinking and feeling. Now, this is a deep and a vast topic. We don't have time to go into all of that, but I do want to mention the first thing in remodeling, doing a, a drastic Immediate remodel in a master bedroom is to tear down the wall. So we've got to keep going. The second step, out of three, the second step is you've got to clean up the clutter and take out the trash. I was talking to uh, uh, my good friend this week who is a licensed marriage counselor who is uh, quite successful and uh, has a lot of good insight. And I said, hey, man, tell me, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching our church today on how to build a strong marriage and I got some questions on what to do. And uh, uh, he said, hey, I've got one word of insight for you, one word of direction for you. And that is, take out the garbage. Take out the garbage. Are you meaning me as husband, my, my house will be better if I take out the car- garbage regularly? Although I think that might help. But, but uh, really what he was saying is, You've got to get in the habit of taking the trash out to a certain place and then somebody takes it away and you never see it again. The point is walls that destroy intimacy like we just talked about and walls that cause resentment are usually built because we don't regularly take out the trash. Now, every home produces trash, right? And uh, what would your home look like if you always kept everything laying around? All the milk cartons? All the packages, everything uh, was just all laying around. Your home would look terrible and it wouldn't smell very good either. Amen? And I thank God for waste management. It's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. And I'm glad somebody does it. I take it out to the street with my nose plugged and somebody comes and takes it away and I never have to see it again. The diapers are gone forever. Because I take out the trash. And I've made an arrangement to get it taken care of so that it's gone. Now, here's the point. I don't care how sweet the two of you are and how much of the Holy Ghost you have. Every marriage produces a certain amount of trash. Harsh words, angry outbursts, insensitivity, neglect, rejection. The point is, you as a couple have to come up with a plan to take out the trash regularly. Don't let it build up and clutter your home so you don't have to keep seeing the trash over and over again. The point is forgiveness. Talking it out, not glossing it over. Talking it out. I I, I feel like I hurt you here. I'm sorry that I hurt you. See, don't feel bad. Every marriage produces trash, and each member of every marriage produces some trash. The idea is we've got to learn to take it out. And once we take it out, we don't bring it back in the house again. Once you take out the trash, the garbage man comes and it's bye-bye. I don't care what it was. It's gone for good. That's the way it is in marriage. If you want to have a successful marriage, this counselor told me, if people would learn to take out the garbage, whatever it is that happened, whatever uh, slight or hurt or, or overlooking of something, once you deal with it, once you say, I feel like I was hurt here, 
I'm sorry, please forgive me. And the trash is taken out. At that point, then, amen, then you can uh, uh, begin to have a home makeover. And then you can begin to feel the uh, pleasure and the joy of marriage again. Trash lying around, which is called resentment, starts to stink and makes the area unlivable. Take it out. The final point, my third and final point today, is you've got to update the decor of the master bedroom. We moved the wall, we picked out the trash, took out the trash, but the decor is out of date. Anybody ever walked into a hotel or a house and it's like 1970s? And they're not being retro, it's just like, it's just like bad decorations. And uh, it just hasn't been updated for a long time. And, and, and the point is, you have got to bring some fresh passion and love back in to the master bedroom. Once the wall is taken down, once the trash is cleaned up and a plan is put in place to periodically deal with the trash, you have to bring fresh love into the master bedroom. How do you keep the love alive? How do you keep the feelings of love fresh? My decor is looking 1970s. I've got to freshen it up. How do I do this? Uh, our love was good four years ago. We felt the excitement two years ago. But how do I keep it fresh today? There is a way to keep the, up, the, 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 the master bedroom remodeled and updated and refreshed. Amen? Now, here's, here's the concept and the principle. There's two books that I've read that talk about a love bank and a love tank. The, the, the deal is a bank account has deposits and withdrawals. What happens if you make too many withdrawals without making deposits? Rubber checks, NSF, insufficient funds. And the same is true in your spouse has a, an account ledger that you make deposits into their love bank. How do you do that? By doing things that make them happy. You also make withdrawals from their love bank. How do you do that? By doing things that make them unhappy. Oh, but we're in love. We fell in love. and skinned our knees. We, we fell in love. The deal is... That's great. I'm glad you fell in love. But after the dating period, after marriage, then you have to be intentional about the love bank. The other example is a love tank. And this is something all of us can relate to with gas up around 350 a gallon. That you put gas in and it costs you. It takes effort and money. And then you expend the gas. And right now, my tank on my car is Past empty, the little light is shining, but I cannot bring myself to go and put $3.50 a gallon of gas in there. But the point is, you put in and you expend. The same is true in marriage. And when you put out, when, 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 when you spend more than you invest, then after a while, the love begins to grow old and it begins to lack the freshness that it once did. You've got to keep making deposits or the tank will empty. Loving acts from, from, from way back in the dating days won't keep the engine running today. Let me say that again. Loving acts from the first year of marriage when you brought flowers home. That's not keeping the tank running anymore, guys. 
ladies. Do you understand what I'm saying? Wouldn't it be great if you could buy a car and fill it up with gas and drive it 100,000 miles? Till it, till it wears out and then just throw it away? No, you've got a love bank and a love tank. And you've got to keep filling it up. Keep filling it up. Loving acts from five years ago won't do it and keep the engine running today. Many marriages fail because one or both members have the misconception that maintaining love just happens automatically without effort just because we're in love. We just happen to keep one another happy. The fact is, my wife fell in love with me because I made her happy. And she felt good when she was with me. And when we were dating, she fell in love with me. And that happened automatically because I was trying to impress her. I didn't have to think about it. I was doing everything I could to impress her. I was trying to make her love me. And it worked. But guess what? That 10-year-old romance trying to impress her and get her to love me doesn't work anymore. It's out of style now. What happened 10 years ago is not keeping our marriage alive today. I've got to put some new into it. Now that we are married, my wife's love tank stays full if I do things that make her happy and make her feel loved. But the point is now I have to work at it. When I was dating, I didn't even think about it. It was just like natural. The greatest misconception that you can have is that you can keep your marriage alive and exciting and fun and fulfilling without working at it just because you're in love. Big misconception. Won't work headed for a train wreck. The point is you have got to intentionally do things to keep your spouse's love tank full. If my spouse's love tank gets down to empty then we're going to have problems in our marriage. But if I continue to make deposits to keep it full, then we can have a great and a fulfilling marriage. Selfishness destroys marriages. Selfishness destroys marriages. That is, focusing on your own happiness, on your own needs and your own desires. This is a dangerous trap in your marriage. Because we're human beings, we tend to be selfish, right? We're self-centered. We can't help it. That's just the way we were made. We look after ourselves. But the point is, in marriage, if you are selfish and only concerned about your own interests and your own happiness, you're going to destroy your marriage. You've got to get your mind off of you in order to bring the spice back into your marriage. A lot of times we'll sit and think, hey man, our marriage would be so great if she would do this. Oh, it would bring the joy back. Hallelujah. Man, if he would only do this, think of how great our marriage would be. The point is we're sitting here thinking about how they could meet our needs, how they could fill our tank, and how great we would feel if that happened. When in reality, that's selfishness. And the Bible says our verse of Scripture for today is, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Somebody say amen. More blessed to give than it is to receive. Serving her by thinking of her first or serving him by thinking of him first is what makes a marriage work. A marriage will not work if I focus on my needs first. If I focus on my needs and my, the way I feel and the way I think I should be treated first, then it's going to create a tremendous amount of problems. Here's an important point for you to understand. You and your spouse are not identical. 
No two people are alike. Amen? And more specifically, you're a male and she's a female or vice versa. So that creates a whole new set of differences. And so in order to put... Put uh, to fill up my wife's love tank, I can't just do what I want done to me because my wife is different than me and she wants different things than what I want. Right? He probably has different needs than you and different ways of giving and receiving love. For the sake of time, I'll mention a couple of books, the great books. One of them is written by Gary Chapman. It's called The Five Love Languages. It says simply that every person does not express and give love the same way. They don't receive love the same way. And there's five different ways that people express love. And each person has a dominant love language. And you may be trying to show love to them, but you're not speaking their language. That's like me trying to talk to someone in a language they don't understand. I'm doing my best to communicate. But they're not getting it. And so the important thing is realizing that the love language that works for me may not be the same language that my spouse speaks. And for me to sit here and try to put love in her tank using my love language and ignoring her love language and not even thinking about that or not even being willing to consider that there might be a different love language puts me in a position where I'm putting effort and energy into something and it's wasted. It's useless. Someone described it this way. Um, Brother Leonard, you got a big pickup truck. I want to do a favor for you. I'm going to take you down to the gas station, and I'm going to fill your the bed of your truck with gasoline. I'll even put 93, 93 in there. It's going to cost me. I'm going to fill up the bed of his truck with gas. Here's the point. I filled up the bed of his tr- truck with gas. It's been an expenditure of energy. It was an expenditure of finances. It cost me. I was giving him something. But the reality is, it does not benefit him at all, right? Amen. If I fill your trunk with gas, you're not going to be happy. You're going to be mad at me. What are you doing? But I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing your favor here. I'm putting, I'm putting up, I put $75 of gas in your trunk. You ruined my trunk. You see what I'm saying? You're investing... You're speaking a language that they don't understand. And in order to freshen up, in order to freshen up a master bedroom, one of the best things you can do is become a student of your spouse and learn what is the language of love that they speak. Because I want to make deposits that count. I don't want to expend energy and make deposits that don't even count. You say, well, they should understand. At least I'm trying. It's the thought that counts. Well, they don't receive love that way. They don't understand and transmit love that way. The five languages of love, number one, is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation, building words. The second language of love that you can even see in children. I watch and see my daughter has a particular language of love. Cambry's language of love is quality time. Quality time is her language of love. And when she's not getting it, she is griping about it. Dad, you don't have any time to play with me. That's her language of love. And I can go hug and kiss on her. I love you. are so beautiful. And she's not getting her tank filled. Because the language of love for her is when I spend some quality time with her. 
And the deal is your spouse is the same way. There is a language of love. And if you are ignoring that, you're saying, but I've given you all the kisses you want, honey. And she's like, I don't want any more kisses. I want you to help me with the dishes. <laughs> Whew, I feel the anointing. Words of affirmation is one love language. Physical touch is another love language. Some people communicate love and receive love by physical touch. Quality time is the, one, the thir- third one that I mentioned. Another one is acts of service. My wife says that her primary love language is acts of service. And I said, yeah, right. You just want me to do the dishes and... But I found out that it's true. I watched her. I watched one time when somebody, when something bad happened and someone was right there to help. I saw her turn to that person and I knew that there was, uh, uh, that, that, that it was a meaningful exchange more than if somebody had given her a gift or a rose or a pat on the back was doing something for her as her love language. So how foolish would it be for me to take my language, which is physical touch, and try to fill her tank with it? But honey, I'm, I'm loving you. Like I, I'm not getting it. And so this is a very, very important principle of learning how does my spouse primarily receive and give love? How, how does he receive and give love? Because the point is, you know, the golden rule is do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. In order to have a happy marriage, you've got to go beyond the golden rule. Because if you do unto your spouse as you would have them do unto you, you're speaking only your love language. But when you learn the power of the five love languages, you learn to go beyond the golden rule. Here's the point. You've got to work at it. You've got to be intentional. Good marriages don't happen accidentally. Good marriages happen because somebody puts on the white lab coat and does a little scientific uh, exploration into their spouse. What are they missing? What do they gripe about? What are they critical of me about? It's probably because I'm not meeting a need there. It's not just because they're grouchy. Because there's a love language that's not being communicated there. And as I study my spouse, if I want to build a better master bedroom, if I want to clean it up, guys, you don't just bring in candles and go to Victoria's Secrets and all that. Come on now. You've got to do better than that. You've got to get on the lab coat and find out what's missing. Is it emotional intimacy that you're not providing? Are you not opening up to her? Is there something missing there? Finding out what it is that, that, your, that your spouse, your wife, or your husband is missing and saying, you know what, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to focus on making them happy because the reality is marriage is great when my wife makes me happy and I make her happy. It's as simple as that. If I make her mad and she makes me mad all the time, then we're not going to have a good marriage. I don't care how pretty she is. I don't care how in love we were when we first met. The reality is, at this point, in order to remodel the master bedroom, I've got to find out what makes her happy, and I've got to do it. And she's going to be so in love with me. She's going to want to do what makes me happy. And we're talking about a beautiful, refreshed, and remodeled master bedroom. Let's stand together. Let me just tell you something here. The greatest thing that you can do to remodel your master bedroom 
is to be filled or refilled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The pastor is not telling you that if you receive the Holy Ghost, he'll take care of all your problems in your marriage. But I am telling you that when you get the Holy Ghost, it changes everything about you. It changes your perspective on other people. And you begin to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit of gentleness and kindness, patience, long-suffering, goodness. These are things that make investments into your spouse. And I have seen the Lord, Jesus Christ, take marriages that are on the rocks. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, bring those marriages back together again. I'm talking about marriages that have been rocked by even abuse. Marriages that have been rocked by infidelity. God can put them back together again through the power of His Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And I'm thankful for the Spirit of God. It makes a difference in our lives. Yeah, we've got to work together with God. I can't just say, well, I've got the Holy Ghost. God, you take care of my marriage. I've got to be intentional just like I talked today. But through the power of the Spirit, I'm given strength. I'm given strength to be a godly man. To do the things that I need to do to make my wife happy. To take care of my family and to create an atmosphere through our marriage that my kids feel secure and happy. And they know that mom loves dad. And they know that dad really loves mom. And they know that they're safe and secure. And they know what intimacy is about. And they know how to open up. And I'm going to pray for God's Spirit to be in this place right now. And if your wife is here today or husband, I want you to... Uh, uh, get with them if that'd be okay just for a moment. Let's just close our eyes right now. We're going to get together with our spouse. And I want us to pray with one another. Amen. And there are some of us here, for whatever reason, this mer- this message may be a little bit painful. Loss of spouse to death or to divorce. There's that longing for intimacy. I want you to know that the Lord knows where you are. I want you to understand that Jesus has a plan for your life. I want you to know that if you trust the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart if you put His kingdom first. Hallelujah. We're going to pray for one another right now. And I'm going to say a word of prayer. As I mentioned, June 3rd, we're going to have a Holy Spirit baptism service. If you haven't received the Holy Ghost, what a wonderful time to be filled with God's Spirit. We're going to pray together. I'm going to pray for our marriages. And I'm going to pray for those who have been hurt or are hurting that God would provide strength. I want us to pray together right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord God, for your goodness to us. In your word, Lord Jesus, you likened the church to your bride. And God, you love the church unconditionally. Lord Jesus, I'm praying, dear God, that that style of unconditional love, Lord Jesus would begin to permeate our relationships, dear God. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, from the depths of my heart, Lord, for every marriage that's in this house today represented by one or both spouses. Jesus, I'm asking, Lord God, I'm praying, Lord Jesus, that one or both spouse, Lord, would take initiative, take those steps, Lord God, to put You first, Lord Jesus, and to begin to tear down walls of resentment or hurt, disappointment, and to begin to rebuild intimacy in marriages and families. God, I'm praying for the homes of Life Church, Lord Jesus. I know that the devil loves to attack 
The love of devs, the devil loves to drive wedges in and make people feel badly, put pain and hurt. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm praying, Lord God, for marriages. I'm rebuking the devourer. In the name of Jesus, I'm praying for those, Lord God, whose whose marriage suite is so out of date. <laughs> hasn't been refreshed in years. I'm praying, Lord God, that somehow you would put a desire, Lord Jesus, and faith and confidence and expectation that, God, you can restore that. You're about putting back together broken dreams. You're about restoring what's been stolen. And in the name of Jesus, I pray for restoration. In the name of Jesus, I pray for renewal. In the sweet name of Jesus, I pray for refreshing. Hallelujah. That's it. Just open up your heart to the Lord. God, I pray for those, Lord Jesus, who are lonely. Those, Lord God, who have a desire, Jesus, for that physical closeness and that trust and support of a loving spouse. I pray that you would give them confidence and trust in you, Lord Jesus, to know there's no need to get in a rush. There's no need to get ahead of you, Lord God, but that your plan is perfect, Lord, and you will order our steps in your word. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't we lift up our hands and thank the Lord? The Bible says the church is the bride of Christ. Let's love Him right now. Hallelujah. Let's love. Let's love Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we praise you. God, we worship you. God, we love you with all of our hearts, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your merciful kindness, Lord, and all of your blessings. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody just whisper, Jesus. Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Jesus, I plead Your blood on my family. Jesus, I plead Your blood on my marriage, dear God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let it be built strong, Lord. Let it be a great example to others, Lord Jesus. Let people look at us and say, that's what a Christian family ought to be like, Lord God. I pray, Lord, if there's anything I've done to hurt, Lord, make it clear to me, Jesus, so I can ask forgiveness and remove the wall, Lord God. Let there be joy in our home, Lord Jesus. Let there be peace in our home, Lord God. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, God, I pray that you go with each family, Lord, that as we seek your direction, your anointing, Lord, God, and blessing in our lives, that you would bless each marriage and each family. Let us keep you first, Lord Jesus, and continue to strive for holiness and righteousness. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus and for your glory. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. I want you to greet one another in the name of the Lord. Also, I want to uh, re- remind you that we have a meeting right here on the first to- two rows with Sister Christina for anyone who's interested in choir or music. I want you to come forward real quickly so we can get this finished and you can go home. God bless you. Oh, yes. Uh, also, if you're a guest today...